welcome to Sailing in the Mediterranean and Beyond podcast. I'm your host. My name is Franz. Let me thank my sponsor, Sailrite. For over 50 years, Sailrite has been your authority in all things marine DIY. Do it yourself. What started as a mail-order correspondence course on sailmaking has grown into one of the largest online and catalog retailers for the marine industry. Sailrite stocks everything you need to sew for your boat. They are the only company that makes one design and custom sail kits. As a passionate group of DIYers, Sailrite's dedication to self-reliance at sea is proven in their products and services. Sailrite sells fabric, foam, supplies, and more, including the legendary portable and powerful Ultrafeed sewing machine. So you can be self-reliant and save money by sewing your own projects, from biminis to dodgers, sacrificial sail covers and sail bags, to interior and exterior seating and cushions. Sailrite brings you the best brands in the industry for unmatched product quality and professional-looking DIY results. With over 50 years of bringing you quality products, unparalleled service and support, and free how-to videos, Sailrite is a name you can trust. All right, I'm back with Jackson and Xanthi, and we just barely got through the Panama Canal in the last episode, and we're continuing the adventure from here. And so you were talking about how you had to have your sail repaired and you got back to your boat. Let's talk about the final preparation you did before your your hop off. And I guess you went to uh, the Galapagos. Excuse me, the Galapagos, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah we did. that's that's why our preparation was so extensive because there were, we were going through the list of everything that was required to be able to enter the Galapagos. So yeah. So do you, off the top of your head, can you recall what the requirements were? How long have you got? Yeah. It's probably going to take a whole episode, Fran. Well, we, you know, I, I like to cover things in detail. So. Yeah. We'll do the highlights. The, yeah, the highlights was we had to fit a holding tank, so our boat didn't have a holding tank up until that point. So was that just um, for black water or for gray water as well? Just black water. Okay. Yep. Um, and then... Oh, we had to have all like mostly it was mostly food requirements, wasn't it? That we weren't allowed into Galapagos with. Oh, but you had to have like four different types of bins for your rubbish. Yeah, bins. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, the Galapagos is definitely a little bit of a wormhole, a bit of a vortex of information. It's again, you must have an agent. It's just law that you have to have an agent and. Once you start going through the process with them, they do make it pretty easy and seamless. Yeah. But we did have to get the boat fumigated and everything had to be clean. Yeah. The bottom and inside. Yeah. Um, and I guess in terms of final preparation, I have to say I found Panama City actually really tough it for yachting and for cruising. It was really awkward, wasn't it? Yeah, I found that the marine stores and chandleries were not actually that well equipped with blue water cruising stuff. Mm. Um, and they weren't very organized as well. It wasn't a pleasant shopping experience. You'd walk in yeah, and there'd be one size of one thing and everything's all over the floor. Yeah. Uh, 
And there, the the main marine store was in a really dodgy part of town as well. Yeah. So we actually we got a, a police car screeched up next to us saying, "What are you doing? What are you doing walking around here? This is not safe. Where's your car?" Oh wow. Uh, yeah. So the advice is that you should hire a car, or if you're going by taxi, get them to stop right outside the door. Do not walk within one meter of either side mm. of the door and just go straight into the shop and straight out. Yeah, for sure. Did you have any problem with theft through the Caribbean and, and through Panama? Did you have any no. episodes like that? Because I've heard that, uh, you know, you need to lock down your outboard on your boat with a chain because people will come on and just walk off with stuff like that. But is yeah. That... yeah, we did do that. We did lock it all up, but mm. we... No, we we didn't. We had nothing okay. but pleasantries. Like yeah, the... I have to say, Franz, I I think we've been really lucky. Mm-hmm. But eighteen months of cruising, literally from Croatia here to Australia, we have not had one case of theft that I know of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we spent half the time with with the lock not on the door. Yeah, like <laughs> okay. I I think we've been really lucky. Uh-huh. Um, and there are definitely. A lot of stories that we have heard as well along the way, oh, some yeah. being really horrible stories around Panama um, and even the San Blas Islands. Yeah. Um, and, and and as well the Caribbean. And, I mean, my most recent uh, cruising tips that I put up about security in the Caribbean, you know, someone also said that they have they were completely robbed in – uh, Mallorca, you know, in, yeah. in Spain, and okay. everything yeah. on their boat stolen. So yeah, look, I it can happen. It, it can Panama, happen anywhere. Yeah. I guess, yeah, it can happen anywhere. Yeah, especially in Panama, you sometimes it depends where you choose to sail, but a lot of cruisers do have to sail through active pirate territory, and it's just you you choose how far you want to push it yourself, I guess. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Did you go through any pirate territory specifically? I guess. Uh, any... We didn't, okay. but uh, we did. What we were talking to you about Linton Bay—that's mm-hmm. not active pirate territory. But we, some of our friends, did actually get boarded there quite recently, and it it didn't go too well. Luckily, neither of them were hurt, but they they took everything. Mm. So it it you really can't pick it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so now I de- where did you? Where did you go? How did you go about getting your permit to uh, go to the Galapagos? Did you do it in Panama? Did you do it online? How did you go about doing it? How did you yeah. find your agent? So forth. So, so that you, you you need to do that quite ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd recommend you start. You, you definitely leave it no later than two months ahead of time. I try and get it organized maybe three months ahead of time. Then you'll have no problems. But I went through a guy called Johnny Romero. I don't remember the name of his company, but if you just Google Johnny Romero, it'll come up. Um, that It was fairly seamless. It was just all done by email. Didn't have to call them at all. And they just organized everything for me, told me the basics of what they needed from me, sent me some checklists, and then it was done. Yeah took about a month to come through it took a fair time and the thing you have to decide is how long you're going to spend there mm-hmm. um, because it is expensive i think we opted for you can either have a seven day visa a 30 day visa or 90 day visa i think 
go for as long as you physically can manage or go for as long as you financially can manage. Yeah. We're really glad we went. We did. We yeah, did we took the 30-day. Yeah, we took the 30-day option, which I think worked out at all said and done, probably 2500 US. Okay. I think it was about 2000 US. Like that. Okay. Yeah, 2500 Because um, each of us, the four of us in Aussie all spent Seven or eight hundred bucks, I think. Yeah, so it's about two and a half thousand American. Dollars. Yeah. So, did you have friends with you at the time when you're doing this? So it was four of you on board then. Yeah, there was four. We wouldn't have been able to done it. We wouldn't have been able to do it without them, to be honest. Okay. Because we split the cost between the four of us. We would not have been able to afford that without them. Yeah. It was only a couple of hundred bucks for for each person. So I would definitely recommend if you can get a band together, then that will really help. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so, so, okay. Let's, let's talk about the sale. Now we know the the bureaucracy you have to hop through. Did you do a yeah. straight shot, or where did where did you leave after Panama City? Where that did you go? sale was so rubbish. Yeah. So, because <laughs> you have to go over the equator. It's just <laughs> the intertropical convergence zone. It's a real thing. The doldrums. Uh, yeah. My biggest recommendation is carry fuel fuel and more fuel um we motored for the first 500 miles oh wow okay all right yeah there look there are definitely there's definitely information you can definitely get with weather windows out from panama you'll definitely sorry you generally be sailing out of panama with a northerly anywhere from the northwest to northeast. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'd be sailing downwind, flat seas, everything will be going really well. And then you'll get about 80 or 100 miles after your first day, and it generally just dies. And we're talking complete glassy water, no swell, not a breath of wind. And, yeah, we there motored. Are, there are currents, though. Against you. So we <laughs> have... Oh, I thought it was... Fo- no, oh, okay, so the well, first, there you go, that's... Yeah, the first four days, we had basically from Panama, you want to aim for Ecuador, France, mm-hmm. and then attack the Galapagos further south. Okay. So you don't really want to be sailing a rum line from Panama to Galapagos. You want to be making your way down to almost Ecuador and okay. then kind of coming around from the south. All right. So that's about, uh, just to get off the coast of Ecuador is about about 700 miles, it looks like. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. ours was a neat, yeah. Ours was, I think it turned out about a thousand, a thousand and fifty miles or something like that. Okay. But then, because of all the currents and everything, there is a lot of life in the water and in the sky as well. Lots of birds flying around, mm. and the fishing was excellent. Oh yeah, amazing fishing all the way through there. Yeah, we caught um, some monsters. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's just a. I talked to Jack ahead, last week, and I Jack was telling me about last month's last summer. And he caught a yeah. uh, caught a fish, and I said, "How many fish have you mm-hmm. caught in the Mediterranean?" He said, "That was the second one." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's pretty good going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, once we got through that, once we got on that Pacific side, we had to keep putting the fishing rods away, didn't we? Because yeah, you know, we, we had too too much fish. It was getting, and squids were flying onto the boat as well. <laughs> really? Yeah. So you having yeah, calamari for lunch? Huh? Yeah. 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 Basically. Yeah. So did you um, actually go into Ecuador? Did you did you make landfall at Ecuador or not? Then no, no, no we, we didn't. didn't. Okay. Um, 
there I'm, sorry, I'm just trying to zoom in here from I have watched videos of people who have done it I'm, I'm pretty sure it was gone with the winds they went into Ecuador okay uh yeah it it looked rather strange to be honest it looked quite kind of like quite a muddy coastline mm-hmm. but I'm sure there's lovely parts of it and I do know that there is quite an active pirate territory around that coast too right there is so yes. yeah definitely worth doing your research there yeah but anyway we we motored out of panama for four or five days um we burnt pretty much all our fuel knowing that we were going to get to galapagos um and be able to restock there and then we had a really good four-day sail after that um so you get about halfway and the current switches and instead of having about two knots against you, you get two or three knots with you all the way to Galapagos. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just sailed. We had a really comfortable sail all the way into Galapagos. Yeah, we were on one tack, weren't we? We just yeah. had beam reach the whole way. Beam reach all the way in. Um, and, yeah, look, the Galapagos Islands was, like, for me, I think it's got to be my top three destinations oh, yeah oh big cool yeah i'm gonna put in the top three okay the whole trip. called it yeah I'd, I'd have to agree yeah it's just there's nowhere like it i challenge you to find anywhere like it okay. just wildlife um, just bursting out of every corner and before i guess before we get into the galapagos i just wanted to say in terms of if you decide to skip the galapagos islands and you're going from panama to the marquesas you Again, you really want to take more fuel with you and food because we had friends that were going Panama direct to the Marquesas and that first thousand miles took them... Two weeks, didn't it? I think it took them 18 days. Oh, yeah. Okay. And the because, whole passage took them 35. Yeah, because they just simply didn't have the fuel to burn early on. You know, you're looking ahead, you're going, well, I've still got... 3,000 miles ahead of me. I don't want to burn on my fuel. And, you know, they were doing like 40-mile days. Mm. Um, so I on just... On the Lagoon 45. Yeah, they are on a cat. So, so so where did you store your f- extra fuel? Just on the deck? Yeah, yeah. Okay. We just got... Um, so our... We've only got a little engine. Mm-hmm. Ours is a 28-horse power engine, and she uses about two liters an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, our fuel tank is 160 liters, and I personally just write off the last quarter because depending on what tack you are, you don't necessarily you can't access that fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we carry another 100 liters in jerry cans. Okay, so just, I, just lashed on deck then, huh? Yeah, or, or stored in our lockers. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we carry about 220 liters, which is yeah, just over four days of motoring. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so for those who are thinking about skipping Galapagos. Don't um, do it. <laughs> either don't do it just because it's an awesome place, but think about taking a bit of extra fuel with you because you you will find yourself wanting to motor that first part of it to get out into your trade winds, which is basically from the Galapagos Islands onwards. Um, and then, as we said, we opted for the 30-day visa, which also meant you could go to three ports on three separate islands. And they're all so different, aren't they? Every island yeah. is so vastly different, even in ecology. Like the first one we went to was San Cristobal, and that was where all the sea lions were on, on the beach. And then 
when we went to Isabella, less sea lions, but penguins and blue-footed boobies. Yeah, you just got penguins swimming around the boat, seals, yeah. turtles, sharks, birds everywhere. And it then, was just insane. And Santa Cruz was kind of the more civilised sort of suburban style arty it kind of felt to me like melbourne yeah it was kind of like melbourne, art, reckon, yeah, yeah it was kind of like an arty coffee shop kind of island yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you go there less for the animals but more for just the hanging out and looking good uh, yeah. were those the three islands you went to then yeah yeah okay so yeah we were only able to stay because you can only go to the three ports and you can't cruise you can't just go around anchoring wherever you like there's very designated anchoring zones um, now, did you, you, can't an- use your did you anchor or pick up mooring buoys? Anchor. Okay. Yep, anchor. You can't use your yep. dinghy? Um, no. You so can at Isabella, but you can only use it to get from your boat to the dock. Okay. You can't, can't go wild. On the other islands, you have to get a water taxi, which is a US dollar each way. Yeah, and the water taxi guys were really friendly. And yeah. You're never short of finding one. Yeah, yeah. But there was just amazing surfing. Like we finally, oh, was so amazing. yeah, after not having much luck in the Caribbean surf-wise. We went a bit crazy, didn't we? There was amazing <laughs> surf. Um, yeah, at every island. Amazing scuba diving. Best scuba diving. Best. Oh, second best. You reckon? Well, I don't you, know. You said the best was Vakarava. I think the best was I Vakarava. think the best was the Galapagos. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I just think it's a really unique spot in the world, France, that is it's it's a really cool thing to be able to take your own boat there yeah to be on your own boat um and yeah it's just a once in a lifetime destination like to go to i think so do many people go down to i mean most people heading to the galapagos are doing a a trans-pacific do you see very many people just going down to the Galapagos and then be- heading back up to Panama or over to Ecuador or somewhere. Are you talking else? about sailors? Yeah, yeah sailors, sailors uh-huh. only. Yeah, didn't. I don't think I met anyone. That's no. a really good question, Franz. Okay. I don't know of anyone who's just doing it as a as a trip. Um, that's a really good question. I didn't meet anyone. Okay. Everyone I met was transient for sure, and going across the Pacific. Mm. But yeah, I don't know. That'd be an interesting thing to find out or okay. to do. Yeah, yeah. I wonder how hard it would be. I mean, so, yeah, that would be interesting because getting back may be more difficult than getting down there. You never know and if you if you even could. Of course, you could head straight over to Ecuador and then try to work yeah. your way up from there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, spot on. Um, yeah, good question. I'm yeah, we sure. didn't meet anyone doing that. Okay, okay. Well, that's just what I was wondering. That's uh, that's that's great. So you, you, uh, you go to these things. Was there any specific stories you want to tell about the Galapagos or just that it was pretty fantastic overall and you'd you'd want to go back again? Yeah, I did want to say one thing because I think a lot of people are put off by it because they think, they do say that you can't really go anywhere without a tour guide. That's not necessarily true. Mm. In Isabella, on Isabella Island, you do get a bit more freedom and you at the dock actually, it's the best snorkel I've ever done in my life, at the dinghy dock. Hmm. there's a little uh a kind of mangrove section that's kind of naturally blocked off by a natural sea wall and so that gives rise to just a massive breeding breeding ground for animals there's baby sharks in there there's baby seals baby everything baby penguins baby turtles. penguins 
just yeah, baby turtles. And you're just allowed to go and snorkel there whenever you want. And it's actually quite a huge thing at nighttime. The bioluminescence is, is off the hook. So people often go there at night as well. Mm. And there's just seals swimming in the dark, penguins wobbling around in the dark. And, yeah, you're allowed to walk all the way across the beach by yourself. It's really long. It's quite a few miles down Isabella Beach. And you can just hire a bike and, and cycle around their little national park and go and see the Wall of Tears which is the wall that they made their prisoners build so that you don't have to have a tour guide for every amazing thing in the Galapagos. Mm. Yeah, okay. totally. So this totally. is near Porto Villan, Villa Mill? Yeah, that's okay. where you anchor. Yeah, yeah, I'm zooming in here and I see some boats anchored there and I can see that natural, yeah. natural seawall, sort of a reef there mm. that you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I just think it's um, as a destination, as I said, in terms of surf, I mean, the first day we arrived, once we were all cleared in and everything, we went surfing and hardly anyone out. There was only a handful of locals out within 10 minutes of surfing or being in the water. Two giant sea turtles popped up next to us looking at us. A baby sea lion was playing with my leg rope. Um, they share your waves with two sea well. lions were like dancing in, in the waves in front of me like it, it, you know I saw you catch a wave and a shark fin was slicing through, yeah. through the back of the wave that was the coolest thing yeah it's you know I just think to have those experiences um, I certainly haven't had anything like that before no. Um, but no real besides it being really good I don't think there was any terror stories of Galapagos Oh, no. God, no. Uh, Everyone's just yeah. nice as pie there as well. The locals just – we befriended so many locals. Yeah. How, crowd, how crowded is it? Do they limit the number of sailboats that can go there or is it unlimited just as long they as – They do limit it. Okay. Uh, and also, obviously, there's there's tourists that come in through mm-hmm. air and and there's not very many of them just because I think a lot of people are deterred by the price to enter the Galapagos. Mm. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it was crowded at all. Okay. Um, and yeah, as Xanthi said, there's so many opportunities for free activities, and then there's plenty more op- opportunities of paid activities, um, which are all excellent. All excellent. All the things yeah. that we paid for were excellent. Um, but yeah, so from Galapagos, we met up with our buddy boat Gia, which was a young Kiwi couple who we met in the Mediterranean, um, and just by chance they had bought a 46-foot Bavaria the same time we bought our boat in Croatia. And we didn't even know about each other. They bought their boat just uh, <laughs> a little further south. Where did they buy theirs? Uh, Shivanik. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Sukasan. Sukasan, yeah. yeah. Um, and so we didn't know, but they'd actually just been two weeks ahead of us the whole time through the Med. And, yeah, we finally got to meet up with them again in the – uh, Galapagos Islands, and well, we met them in Almeramar because oh. we were both getting our rigging replaced. Yeah, uh, after both of us did the med together, and then yeah, we saw them again in Galapagos. Yeah, and they became our buddy boat from Galapagos across the Pacific Ocean, and then all the way to Tonga. Yeah, they were our buddy boat, um, and so yeah, friends. After three and a half weeks of being in Galapagos, we waited for the right weather window. Filled up with fuel again. Um, and had a very dreamy sail to across the Pacific, 26 days. 
dreamy. Yeah. Well, it was it was really relaxed like compared to the Atlantic, which was yeah pretty consistent twenty knots of wind and big swells. The Pacific was just yeah. I do think the Pacific crossing sailing wise was a much easier and enjoyable sail. Yeah, mellow. Um, so we set off the first seven days was a beautiful sort of 18 knots on a broad reach. Mm. Um, just the conditions, you know, when the boat just feels really good, um, sailing along really nicely, not heeled over too much, um, but also not too much roll and autopilot wasn't working that hard. Like it was just really nice sailing. Mm. Um, and then, so we what got was, a call. What yep. was your landfall then? Uh, it took us 20, 26, days. 26 days. To where? Um, to where? To the Marquesan Islands. But okay. we did have a, a setback in the middle. It should have taken us 21, but yeah. we, yeah. Had, we had a bit of a, an incident. Let's talk well, about our, that. Our then. friends Gia did. Yeah. Anyway. So it was basically a clean 3,000 miles. Um, Galapagos there and about seven days in our buddy boat Gia who we checked in with them every morning and night um, as well as our friends and family and whatnot and um, throughout the night they'd actually broken their shroud um, snapped their shroud and so their mast was looking pretty precarious up there it was definitely had a fair bit of bend in it so which um, shroud? So they, Usually there's three to four shrouds on each side. Which shroud did they break? Um, so the, it was the top upper one? shroud. The top yeah, shroud. So okay, was, the one that goes all the way to the top of the mast then, huh? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so they snapped that um, in the early hours of the morning. So they were just lightly under motor, actually, until they could get to daybreak and sort it out. Um, unfortunately, they didn't actually have that many great supplies for a proper repair um they definitely had some ropes and stuff on board but not enough dyneema but well yeah just by chance um when we replaced our rigging in our mirimara xanthi said i kept all our old rigging much to my annoyance i was like why do you know about it's so heavy it's so bulky just throw it away and because our boats were both from the same year of 2005 um I had the exact shroud for them to fit their mast and their Selden rigging. So we were about a hundred miles ahead of them. Uh-huh. So we turned around and backtracked to meet them. And um, yeah, about 24 hours later we met them and luckily it was pretty light winds and pretty calm seas. But, you know, we had a few discussions on the best way to get all these new supplies over to them. And we all agreed that the best method was actually me jumping on our big surfboard mm-hmm. and paddling over to them. So that was a little bit of an experience out there in the middle of the Pacific, paddling my surfboard over to them. With a bunch of um, uh, cable then too, right? Yeah, exactly. With um, a bunch of rigging and all kinds of rigging supplies and Dyneema and everything. And, yeah, we uh, strapped everything to him. He looked like a little turtle when he was paddling <laughs> over there. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so I spent the day with them um, with a few trips up and down the mast. Yeah. And that, I mean, who went up the mast? Did you go up the mast or did he no, go No, Dave. Dave, Cap- okay. captain. captain. from the other yeah. boat, yeah. Um, and I've got to say, their crew were awesome. They did such a good job. Um, 
I've been just really positive about it because, you know, 2,000 miles out, we certainly did not have enough fuel between the two boats to get their boat back. Um, and, yeah, I it sounds might sound stupid, but I really underestimated, um, you know, what one shroud would do and just how how much movement there was in that mast. Um, and it was definitely not a situation that you could sail with it. So, yeah, it took us a day. We replaced the shroud and... Um, Got them up and running. So did and you re- did you replace it with cable, with steel cable or Dyneema? No, we were able to replace it just a straight. Um, we were able to replace it directly with the shroud I had. Oh wow! So um, it was the exact which, same length then, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Wow. Everything. Because yours, yours, only... yours is not a Bavaria, and you're saying theirs was a Bavaria, right? Correct. We've got an Elon. Uh-huh. They had a Bavaria, but it's they're both from 2005, rig. and we both had Selden rigs, uh-huh. and they were just. Yeah. The only difference was that they had like a T-ball fitting at the top and we had a different type okay. of fitting uh-huh. and we were able to just bridge that gap with a small piece of Dyneema. But um, in terms of the turn buckles and all that kind of stuff, yeah, it was just the right gauge. Everything worked well. So so did they have, yeah, did they have their old uh, cable or did they lose their cable overboard? Their old. Oh, they didn't. Uh, they had their old one, the one that broke. You mean? So yeah. So what actually broke yeah. on it? Was it one of the fittings? It broke clean out of the swage, out of the table. Yeah, it's always at the swages. Yeah. It's never yeah. the cable itself. It's always the fittings that fail. Yeah, and it's about five millimeters inside, so you'd never be able to see it. Yeah, that's why I have hand rigging on my boat for the, that exact reason. Oh, do you? Mm. Yeah, it's scary I, that you can't see inside. Yeah. Well, look, I I don't know if. There's definitely, I know insurance-wise, they won't insure you if your rigging's over 10 years. Oh, yes, and that was they, a reason. Yes, they will. Will they? Oh, okay. No, my boat's 25 years old, and they're still insuring my boat. They go inspect okay. it. Okay. Yeah, because they can see my, you can see the, right. the the cable. You can see it wrapped around a thimble. And there's, you know, you never see a cable break. <laughs> you never see a yeah, cable break. sure. It's always sure. the fittings that break. So, yeah, yeah. no, they, that was one of the things I just got to reinsure this year. They said, well, yeah. you're going to have to have a rigging inspection. I said, have at it. And they said, yeah. oh, okay. We'll, we'll insure you. So, yeah. Yeah, That's right. Really nifty. Well, I know for us that they wouldn't insure our rig. Uh-huh. Um, they would insure our boat, but just not our rig. Okay. It was over 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yes, you can have a rig inspection if you're in the med, but I know outside of that we weren't insured. Okay. Um, okay. And I, I personally just wanted to replace ours anyway. I thought it was about time because we mm-hmm. still had original rigging. Yeah, and you got swedge fittings, and that's exactly right. You don't never know yeah. where if you can trust those fittings because you can't see what's going on inside there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and after seeing what happened to Gia, I mean, I'm glad that we did. Because mm-hmm. theirs was original. The point was that theirs was original from 2005, and, you know. Mm-hmm. It could have been us. It could have been us. It could have gone with anyone. Yeah. I don't know if it's the age to, do, to go with it, but anyway. Yeah. I had, um, I had On my boat, I had one. Well, two swedge fittings, and that was on my bob stay because when I put my boat up, I had to measure the bob stay to uh, once the boat was rigged up. I couldn't measure that ahead of time. Everything else was measured uh. up and, and hand spliced, and I had one one heavy heavy piece of uh, cable, which is the bob stay with swedge sure. fittings on both ends. And guess what? Fitting broke on my boat while it was at while it was on the hard in the middle of winter. It just broke. It was on the floor. It was on the ground when I wow. got back. So, not even doing anything. Not even doing anything. I do not <laughs> yeah, trust wow. wedge fittings. I don't care what people yeah, say. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, because 
we we spent about two days with them and we're going really slow um because they wanted to just i guess they were getting Minimal their confidence sailor. back and mm-hmm. they didn't want to mm-hmm. they just wanted to ease into powering the boat back up so we spent about two days going quite slowly um and i had left a bunch of dyneema and basically my um emergency your, rig kit yeah your rigging kit right yeah um i left that with them because sure enough seven days later the other shroud went like oh. the other one um and yeah so then it, anyway they rigged it all back up with dyneema okay. um which i would really recommend for people that are doing you know these ocean crossings that dyneema as a rope is your friend and i think you should be getting sort of eight to ten mil dyneema and that's the perfect replacement and easy to work with for you know replacing your rigging did you practice uh, any of the splices with dyneema beforehand yeah okay yeah, i did yeah did i mean you... I, I i knew a bit of that from my racing background uh-huh. but yeah i did a few other ones as well because you've got to be specific on how you do it to get the same strength in the splice but mm-hmm. um yeah i think that's a really good skill to have I think I'll buy some and just practice some splices because I, that's something I haven't learned. That's one of those skills that I don't have. So thankfully, there's YouTube videos teaching you how to do that stuff. Yeah, yeah. You should make one that's, of those. That's Jackson. exactly how I learned. Yeah, it. Yeah, Jackson, oh. there's one for you. <laughs> yeah, I think there's plenty of YouTube videos that teach me how to do yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Um, so look, besides that, we also, you know, the other, um, we were sailing really well and. As we said, we once they replaced their rig, everyone was in good spirits, and we decided that we would up the uh, stakes a little and do a homemade fishing lure competition, <laughs> um, which I successfully won, uh, and I created a lure out of a wooden bung that you just you know that you put use for your seacocks if they were to break or something like that an emergency bung drew a little eyeball on it yeah i drew a little eyeball i shredded a coca-cola can and taped that to it and christened it the coca catcher (laughs) very original did you do a youtube uh, video on this because i want to see this we did okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we did yeah i did one out of a rubber glove and he was called robert glover (laughs) (laughs) and sure enough a day later after my um, new lure out the back, we caught a really big wahoo <laughs> and got it all the way back to the, you know, we got to the back of the boat. Um, and what do you know? Serrated metal can name <laughs> a human being. Yeah. As I put the gaff in it, Franz, and gaffed it and started pulling it up, it had one last fight in it. Oh. And either its teeth or the lure... I'm Still not, yet to be determined. Not quite sure, but one of the two uh, sliced my leg open oh. just above my left knee. Completely filleted open. I mean, if you don't like blood and guts, then don't watch the video, basically. It's about, yeah, don't watch the video if you're not in bloods and guts. Um, but the wound, like the scar I have now is about 10 centimeters long. Yeah. And at the time, it was about one or two centimetres deep. Um, and at this point, France, we're 1,200 miles from land. Mm-hmm. And 
thankfully, like I'm on the back of the boat still wrestling this fish with my leg spewing out blood. And i got to say, the girls did an amazing job jumping into Spare of the Moment Medics. And uh, our crew, crew member, Alexa, um, thankfully actually had quite a great first aid kit. And we spent about the next hour controlling the bleeding. Um, and we scrubbed it out with alcohol, just scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed with alcohol. And then... We didn't. We don't carry any stitches on board. And we, we that was a very um, decided decision. We we chose not to have sutures on board just because we spoke to a few doctors about it, and they said don't do it because if you do it wrong or it's already infected when you've sewn it up, it's really hard to reverse that. Mm-hmm. So do something that you can get into if you need to. Yeah. Clean it. And so we so, stuck it together with steri strips. Yeah. So okay. we just steri stripped. But then we super glued the steri strips the onto steri the leg. Strips okay. down. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we didn't super glue the wound shut. We just super glued the steri strips, steri strips on. Uh-huh. Okay. Which was a good move. And then put my leg in a splint. And then we called Alexa's brother, who was a doctor. We called him back in Sydney on the sat phone. And that was when he really put the fear of God into us. Mm. Um, because we were sending him photos via email, etc., etc. <laughs> Uh-huh. And um, he was the one that basically said, look, you have got, if that wound gets infected, you've got three days to get to it before we're talking serious. Like Septicemia. Yeah, your body's going to turn so, septic. So we're you're talking. not carrying antibiotics then? Yeah, we are. That's what I was about to say. Oh, so, okay, okay. Yeah. So he was sort of saying to us, look, the closest boat I can see on AIS is about five days away if you both diverted. So he was saying at the first sign of infection, you guys are going to be ready to pull the pin and um, start diverting for help. And thankfully, we did have some antibiotics on board. Um, the only side effect, and they were the right antibiotics, but the only side effect... You turn into a vampire. They make you <laughs> hypersensitive to the sun. Oh, okay, okay. So, so it was tetracycline then, is that right? Uh, no. I think, wasn't it Doxy? No, it began with C. Oh, C, was it? Cyproxin. Oh. Okay, okay, because I know Cyproxin. tetracycline oh. is... I think tetracycline makes you sensitive. But anyway, I've got a great... Did you ever listen to my interviews with Dr. Joe Alton? No. No. Oh, he's written the. He's been on my podcast a couple times. Yeah, and, and he talks about what you need to have as a first aid kit and what. Uh, and, and in his book, he talks about what antibiotics you need. He his he's all about survival yeah. medicine, which is exactly yeah. what we need out in the middle of uh, definitely. the ocean. Definitely. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely rip into those podcasts. Yeah, and he has a whole right. YouTube channel as well. He's got a huge uh, series of uh, videos out there that you can. Has watch he got as well. books? He does. Did you say? Yeah, yeah I, a, I think I've seen his books. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, emergency first aid or something like that, I think. Not, yeah. It's not emergency yeah. first aid, but it's uh, survival first aid. But anyway, yeah, yeah, I recommend his books highly and, and also his YouTube channel highly. You may want to take a look at that. But anyway, yeah, for sure. so my wife's a nurse, and she's always nervous about putting stitches in too. But then again, my brother-in-law up at the ranch uh, put a big cut in himself, and then he stitched himself up and never bothered, worried about it. So he was fine. So. <laughs> yeah, he was yeah. fine, yeah. Success story. That's <laughs> yeah. <good. laughs> well, 
one of the good um, pieces of equipment that we another boat had was like a staple. Oh one yeah, one of those sterilized yeah. staple guns. Uh huh. Um, and I think that would be the ticket. I think that's the answer. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you had the super glue because that's another key thing to have on the boat is super yeah. glue. Yeah. What the about doctors in French did... Polynesia were really impressed about how we'd done it. It was funny. They were looking at it and the doctor goes, oh, that is not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and it was free healthcare as well. And they were really friendly. So yeah. it all worked out well. Did you, did you put a tourniquet on to, to slow down the bleeding at all or not? We slowed it down yeah, we just did. by okay. padding it, didn't we? Uh, oh, no, sorry, no, holding. No, we definitely put that tourniquet on oh, it, and we? then we just put pressure on it. Okay, direct pressure. It took pressure. quite a while. Okay. Yeah. There's also another cellox. Um, uh, cellox, I think, is another thing that you can pour on there that will stop the bleeding almost immediately. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. I didn't know about Listen that. Listen to my podcast because we talk about yeah. that quite yeah. a bit with it. Yeah, for with sure. Because controlling Definitely. bleeding is one of the big emergencies just exactly like you dealt with. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, okay. It's just a – yeah, it was definitely a very sobering experience because we were still 10 days from landfall. Mm-hmm. Um, and then sort of the flow and effect of that was I was – as I said, I was hypersensitive to the sun – so I had to be indoors all day. So the girls were sailing all day and I was doing most of the sailing at night. Um, or I could only do like a very specific afternoon shift where I could sit at the wheel in the shade of the bimini. But um, Yeah, and you couldn't do your normal, just kind of running around the boat checking stuff and yeah. at the drop of a hat. When you say super sensitive, would you out. burn really easily or would it hurt your eyes yeah, or what would it do? Very easily, yeah. Okay. I. I just, as soon as I came in contact with the sun, I could feel myself burning straight away. Okay. And for those who have watched my videos, I've got, I'm lucky to have pretty tanned skin and I don't often wear that much sunscreen um, because I'm always sort of in long shirts and stuff. But yeah, I've always been quite, quite resilient to the sun. And yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing to have these antibiotics that changed me so quickly in that regards. Um, but the girls got very good at making repairs on the boat. We mm-hmm. a, a halyard chafed through. Oh yeah. And so you girls replace that and you fix that up. And we had all kinds of bits and pieces breaking along the way. And you guys did an amazing job because I just wasn't able to get up on deck um, and yeah. do anything. Um, but on top of all this, the only downside was with us helping Gia and this, we um we kind of got stuck between two weather systems and just in a lull. So that's also what extended our trip out a little bit because then we're just bobbing around for quite a few days in very light winds and really wishing we had a beautiful, big, light wind spinnaker. Oh, that would have been so good, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, and, yeah, after 26 days, we made it. Made it to the Marquesan Islands and uh, – absolutely indulged in baguettes and cheese <laughs> and croissants. Oh, croissants, yeah. And which, then went to the medical center. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which which island did you go to first then? Hiva Oa. Yeah, we landed in Hiva Oa. Okay. Which has a really famously tricky anchorage where you've got it, it's very crowded, you've got to throw out a stern anchor and then leave enough space for the supply ship to be able to come in every week as well. Mm. Okay, I'm looking for Hiva Oa. Is that on the south or in the north end of the uh, the chain? 
the east, northeast. Northeast. Oh, oh, of the chain, right in the middle. Sorry. Right yeah. What's the, the um? What's the anchor? What's the town there called? Town. Uh, that I can't remember. I, I, I'll figure it out. Wouldn't we all? At Atuona. Yeah. Yeah. Heva. Oh, so H I V A and then space. Okay. Yeah. Atuona. Atuona. Yeah. Atuona is the the little port that you pull into. Yeah. And the island's called Heva Oa. H I V A. OA. And it was nice because it's pretty much everyone in the Anchorage had just done the Pacific Crossing. Yeah. So it was very celebratory atmosphere and yeah, everyone really had cool. a dirty hole. So it wasn't embarrassing that yeah. we arrived with a green hole and all the rest. <laughs> That's great. All right. We've had another 42 minutes of uh, fun. And I'm I'm oh, running wow. out of time tonight, so we're going to yeah, uh, okay. we're going to connect, we're going to uh, continue this conversation maybe tomorrow or the next day or sometime next week if you're free. What's your schedule yeah, like? Yeah, sure. Yeah, we're so we're actually uh, yeah we're going to be leaving tomorrow, France, um, to arrive in Sydney. Oh, well, tell us, well, tell us where you are right now, and because uh, I thought you had already arrived in Sydney, I didn't know that. No. No, we're actually in a little harbour called Port Stephens, okay. which is about 80 miles north of Sydney. Okay. And we've got all our fans and friends and family. They're going to be waiting on the Palm Beach Lighthouse headland for us tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Girls are going to be waving their bras and knickers at Jackson. <laughs> Fireworks going to be going off when there's a fire ban in Australia. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good old celebration. Then we're going to meet our friends. We've got a, a mooring right next to the pub, which is great. Yeah. And we're going to jump off the boat and go for a few bevs with our friends. Wow, this is a big day for you tomorrow, isn't it's it? It's huge, yeah. yeah. Let's just hope that the sale goes well. Well, yeah. we get there time yeah so our last little overnight sale yeah um so next week friends we are free okay. weekend we are busy but next weekend we are uh, sorry next week we are free all right yeah, we will we're be jobless to... sailors okay we will set something up so thanks so much for great. coming on all right no oh thank problem. you friends it's been great up. yeah we'll... love your work take care you guys all right bye-bye Life is short. In the end, all that really matters is the memories you make. So make a few. Go sailing. Joel, you want to know something? What? Every now and then, say what the f***. What the f*** gives you freedom? Freedom brings opportunity. Opportunity makes your future. If you can't say it, you can't do it. <laughs>